I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. So let's say you meet somebody. You find them attractive, emotionally or physically, and you really like them. And maybe they like you. And maybe it could be more, but you just don't know. How long do you wait to find out? How do you know when those feelings of, oh, I have a crush, or this could go somewhere, are actually going to turn into something? Think about this woman who has a museum in a barn here in Vermont, and when I met her, it was that feeling of, oh my God, I, I just can't get enough of this person. Erica Heilman is host and creator of the podcast Rumble Strip Vermont. It's a show we love here at Love Letters. We got to talking about a significant relationship in her life that defied category until its destiny later became clear. I don't know how we decided what the terms would be between us, and I'm not certain it was entirely clear that it wasn't going to be a sexual relationship because it was so, uh, what's the damn word? It was so full on, like, let's go, that it could have gone in any direction. And um, that question sort of fizzled out. The question of sex or the question of, of explicit romance fizzled out. But it doesn't change the excitement of it for either of us. It was not something that we ever decided, I don't think. We didn't decide against it. It just went in another direction. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Today, I want to talk about making sense of maybes. Erica Heilman is very comfortable with uncategorizable relationships. She was telling me about this in-between kind of connection where she can be in love with a person but never go on a date or sleep with them. It isn't sexual. You've, one discovers this, and that's just not what this is. But it is every bit as complex and passionate as a sexual relationship. So maybe the more, you know, complicated question is what box do you put it in when you realize it isn't sexual? That's complicated, you know what I mean? It can still be as complicated and intense and nuanced and landscaped as sexual attraction. You know, when I think about um, my adult life, I think that actually I have fallen in love many times, and I think a very few of those times had anything to do with sex, but they're deeply romantic. It's the kind of lovesick, I can't wait to see you again, thinking about you all night, you know, I sort of can't get enough 
that those are all things that go along with, you know, or that one uh, attributes to sexual attraction and, you know, falling in love. I've had relationships like this, but I have to be honest, I haven't enjoyed them. They quickly turn into unrequited crushes. I'm somebody who needs to know, what's the potential here? We've got a story for you today about someone who is dwelling in this ambiguity. Someone who was trying to figure out what category her relationship fell in. It starts with a woman and a guy she knew years ago. Someone she calls the singer. Aubrey Hirsch is a writer and illustrator who lives in Berkeley. She wrote about this relationship for Gay Magazine, run by writer and editor Roxanne Gay. I met the singer my freshman year of college. I had just moved out of my parents' house for the first time, but I was going to a small liberal arts college in the same city where I grew up, just maybe three miles or so from where my parents were living. The singer is the ex of a peripheral friend Aubrey had gone to high school with. The singer is attractive. The singer studies martial arts. They live in nearby dorms and start hanging out. I remember one night, just on a whim, a big group of us took a walk to 7-Eleven to get slushies. We did like an eight-mile round-trip walk sort of in the middle of the night. And I just remember it was like two blocks in, us kind of pairing off and just doing that whole long walk together and just never seeming to run out of things to talk about. A couple months after they meet, the singer gets inducted into a fraternity. He asks Aubrey if she'll go with him to the formal. And I was excited to do that. And I had brought my prom dress with me to college, as one does. So I wore my prom dress and, you know, he was dressed up. Aubrey doesn't think of this as a romantic date, though. They take some photos all dressed up, but they're going to the event with other friends. We got some drinks. I remember him getting me a seven and seven. I drank it too fast and got another one, which I also drank too fast. And then I remember dropping my second drink on the ground, making a bit of a scene because I had dropped a drink on the ground. And I remember very vividly him helping me sort of clean it up and then saying to me, like, that's the first time I've ever seen you look vulnerable. And I just remember thinking that was interesting that he had observed that. The designated driver for the night decides to drink. So Aubrey and the singer find themselves staying at a hotel near the event. It was like pouring rain outside. I remember getting into the hotel and we were just kind of looking at each other like, what do we do now? <laughs> like it was sort of like a bit of an awkward moment where it was like, well, if we were going to make out, this would clearly be the moment. But I mean, we didn't. We sort of took turns closing our eyes and getting undressed and climbing into the bed. And then I remember us just talking and laughing. There was a huge lightning storm outside. And at one point, the singer had like pressed his hand to his forehead. And just at that moment, there was a giant strike of lightning. And I remember making a joke that, you know, he had brought the lightning that persisted through the rest of our friendship. Every now and then we would make that joke. Aubrey says there might have been a boundary because of an unspoken social code. 
The singer is technically the ex of someone she knows, and in the world of college, it makes the whole thing off limits. But they grow closer. They spend nights together, often talking till early morning. They write poetry about each other. The intense intimacy continues, despite nothing sexual ever happening. And it feels more complicated as time goes by, because if something happens now, they'd be super serious. It's unspoken, but it's clear that Aubrey and the singer just don't want to pick a category for what this is. But the friendship sustains. And then, a couple of years later, still in college, they're at a party together for New Year's. Midnight approaches. I remember we were sitting together on the couch. I think we probably both kind of did that on purpose. You know, I think the New Year's Eve is sort of like a moment when you can get away with kissing someone and it doesn't have to mean anything. It can just be, well, you happen to be next to them at midnight, so you can kiss them with impunity. I remember the ball dropped and it was midnight and we sort of looked at each other and leaned in and kissed each other for maybe, maybe like a moment longer than one traditionally might. And then as soon as he had space to speak, he said, I am never, ever going to forget that. Aubrey has other romantic relationships. So does the singer. But this question of a potential thing with him always hovers. She starts to want answers. One night, she gets drunk and finds him at a party and asks. You know, I would ask from time to time, like, do you ever think about us in that way? Or do you ever think about me in that way? Or what might be here? And he would say that he just didn't believe in love. (laughs) That was sort of his line. The singer has put up this wall, but it doesn't make things any less complicated. At one point, Aubrey has a boyfriend, and her intense relationship with the singer begins to affect the other relationship. A lot of the time, it was a problem. <laughs> you know, like with with my college boyfriend, you know, it was a big problem. My friendship with the singer, yeah, was a, a source of endless tension, and they couldn't be in the same room together. We'll be right back. We're back. A few years after Aubrey meets the singer... They're, well, they're not best friends, and they're absolutely not a couple, but they're spiritually connected. And this ambiguity is acceptable to Aubrey, sort of. She gives the singer a lot of her time and energy. She lets him remain important in all of these big ways without asking him or herself for more. But then things start to change. The singer makes a plan to go on tour with his band for three months. The two of them stress about this, you know, like a couple might. We would talk often about how we were going to miss each other. And I had been telling him, you know, write me every day. When it was the last night that we were going to see each other before he left, I gave him a box of envelopes that I had bought at the store and I had written my name and address on each one. And I had bought a book of stamps, which I tucked in with the envelopes and gave to him, you know, to say, write to me. He wrote me almost every day. The letters started to come from all the different places where 
they were playing and he would talk about the weather and how much he missed me. But with the singer now out of the picture, at least geographically, Aubrey finally has some space. And in that space, she starts dating someone new. When she starts to really like this new guy, everything suddenly becomes clear. Something about starting a new relationship and something about falling in love just made it click into place for me that we had been in love with each other all this time (laughs) and that it was time to not be anymore. So how did you act on that realization? I didn't. I totally chickened out. I think because we hadn't had a what felt like a real relationship, I didn't feel like we could have a breakup. I mean, it felt all very strange. But I I stopped opening the letters. They kept coming. I just put them in a box. I felt like it was disingenuous to kind of continue participating in it when I knew that my feelings needed to change. I didn't know what to say, you know, I didn't know how to say our friendship needs to change because it felt like there was a chance he might say, what are you talking about? This is all in your head, you know, of course we've just been friends this whole time. And that would have felt like some kind of awful rejection that would have been really painful. seems like a simultaneous realization that, oh, this whole thing has been love. We have been playing out, in some ways, a very romantic relationship. And now, in, in understanding that, I, I, need, I need to have this breakup, even though it doesn't feel like a, a normal breakup. I need to end it. So, you know, it seems like with the realization of what it was, you also realized that it wasn't going to go anywhere or that it shouldn't. What made me realize it is that I was falling in love with someone else. And I felt like I didn't want to be in love with two people at the same time. What's telling is that when the anticipation of romance is taken off the table, when Aubrey really decides that it's never going to happen with the singer, the friendship starts to dissolve. It's like the whole thing was built on potential for coupling up. And when that was gone... Fewer and farther between phone calls, we would call each other sometimes. I remember, like, when I went to go see Batman Begins, calling him and talking about it. Um, and good, good, good reference. I appreciate that Batman yeah. reference. <laughs> when I got engaged to now a different guy, my current partner, I called him and he didn't answer. And I left him a message that I was engaged, (laughs) and I never heard from him after that. You'll remember that Aubrey had stopped opening letters sent by the singer. But she didn't stop getting them. She just put them away, still sealed. Of course, I wondered where they went. We have a storage unit. I've got a big box in there of old journals, old letters, you know, things that are special, but I don't 
look at every day. They're still in the box. I can't, I can't bring myself to throw them away. <laughs> are you fairly certain that none of those unopened letters, like, don't have a profession of love in them? <laughs> I just kept thinking, like, what if one of them was like, let's make it happen, and it was just assumed you were being passive-aggressive and ignoring it? <laughs> Um, yeah, that would that would be like the basis of a very sad novella. <laughs> it's interesting to me that, yes, you were falling for someone else, but it's like he dropped these little hints along the way that he was never going to quite put both feet in, right? Like, he doesn't believe in love, he's touring, he's this. I mean, you allowed yourself to fall in love with someone else, but it seems like what you also knew in that moment was that no matter the feelings, this wasn't going to happen in the way you wanted it to. Looking back on it, what I think was happening, I think he was coming at it sort of from a defensive position. I think he was in love with me, but I think by saying that he didn't believe in love, he could ignore it, and then that would be a great way to not get hurt by what could have potentially been a really intense romantic relationship. Do you Google him ever? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. And, and I know you've thought about the ways in which we define our relationships, right? We have friends, we have lovers, we have uh, partners. And yet there are some relationships that are incredibly intense that can't really be labeled in those specific ways. Can you talk about the idea of a serious relationship that doesn't necessarily fall into those categories. Now that I'm older and so filled with wisdom, I define a serious relationship as a relationship that helps form you, you know, that somehow you push on it, it pushes back and it changes the shape of who you are. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, especially people who are of the age that you were when you met this person um, and knew this person well, who were thinking, I have an almost relationship. How do I know what's going to happen? How do I know if something is possible here? What advice would you give them? If what you're describing is what I had, then you should be able to talk about everything. And you should just talk about it, which is what I tried to do. And I think the fact that we didn't get there is because we weren't going to get there, you know, because we were afraid of getting hurt or because it wasn't exactly right. We had those opportunities to say these things to each other and we didn't say them. And I think you have to make that opportunity. When I think back to relationships like this in my own life, and there are a few of them, I realize, yeah, they were formative, and some of them were absolutely worth it. But in other cases, I was just forcing myself to be okay with not getting what I wanted. And it seemed like it was better to long for someone unattainable than date someone who liked me back. Some relationships that hover in a place between friendship and romance are okay, maybe almost, is their natural state. Maybe they teach us what we're looking for in someone else. I mean, the nice thing I think about what you've said is that 
if you have waited for someone, if you have had a back and forth that never quite gets all the way there, you can still walk away knowing that you shared something with someone that was important and serious. You know, I feel comfortable with how those relationships went and what they did in my life and who I am because of them. I wouldn't trade them. I hear from a lot of readers who are trying to long game a relationship. They see potential, but they're afraid to ask for more now, afraid to commit to wanting more. Maybe they fear rejection, or they want to save a great person for later when they're ready. And if this is you, here's some advice. Think about now and only now. If you want something to be more than it is, pursue it. And if someone isn't giving you quite enough, it's okay to walk away. If you want to ask, what are we? Go ahead and ask it. And if a relationship never quite gets there, try not to think of it as wasted time. Maybe you have to go through it to become who you are. Lie to my heart. Lie to my Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Our senior producer is Amy Padula. Our executive producer is Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith is our audience engagement manager. Special thanks to Brian McGorry and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. How did you know something in your relationship? Or are you struggling with this very question right now? Do you have a love problem? Email the team at lovelettersatboston.com or find us on Twitter at lovelettersblog. And if you like what you hear, leave us your review on Apple Podcasts. Learn more at loveletters.show. And remember, at the end of the day, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, it's always good to enjoy the crush. You know, it's the same kind of wanting to eat somebody or you want to absorb them. You want to, you, you dream about them. You can't wait for them to call. It's the same excitement. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. But I